0: thanks for tuning in to the palm beach podcast a weekly show highlighting people making a positive impact in our community with your host Jana angel thank you to our sponsors pump house coffee roasters the lotus travel company
1: opportunities self-serve beer hall and the bishop's water company Hello, locals. I'm Jana Angel, coming to you with another episode of the Palm Beach Podcast. Today, I welcome my dear friend, entrepreneur and activist Lorenzo Bergese. Welcome to Media Zone. Thank
0: you. I want to cheers you. Thank I know. You for cheers. On. I love uh, starting a uh, interview like this.
1: This is this is really the way that we do things here, and and I really appreciate it, Lorenzo. You were kind enough to bring us all sorts of samples from South Beach Brewing, and this is your your baby. This is your newest project. Tell us about it.
0: Well, it's my favorite beer by far, so I wanted to bring you uh, a sample of it. It also happens to be a beer that I founded. So so it all goes hand in hand. But um, I founded the company in 2017. The short of the story is I was going to do this in New York City. I had the trademark for NYC IPA. I was living there. I had a building ready to go out in Brooklyn. And then the people that I was dealing with from Kansas City were a bunch of liars. Boo. And yeah, really big boo. Um, and they were taking my business plan. They were saying that they were going to be my partners, but they were selling the business plan to other people I didn't know. Oh, no. I said, this deal's done. I picked up. I moved to Florida. Um, I was enjoying my time in Florida. And a friend of mine, this guy, Trey, was like, hey, why don't you bring up that beer idea again and do it down here? Yeah. I said, I'd love to, but we need a really good name. I had NYC back then. And he says- well, Which was a great name. Great yeah. name. I mean, great everyone name. knows NYC. And I didn't want to just do a brand that's like a local brand. I wanted mm-hmm. to do something that had legs, national that could go national and international. He said, "How about South Beach?" Um, and I said, "There's no way South Beach is available." And I looked, and it was. And I was like, "Okay, um, let's do this." And then when I was working on this in New York, I had an idea of doing a brunch beer because I was going to all these brunch parties on the weekends, and there were no brunch beers.
1: There isn't one. I mean, there- and I'm I'm always the girl that never has anything to order in yep. a brewery, which made me so excited about the brand and devin was the one that really encouraged me to try it and i was like no i'm not that girl like everyone's always like oh try this it's pale it's, it's this and i'm like it's gross i don't want it
0: <laughs> well so you so as you see here it says the brunch beer on mm-hmm. on the can we have two of them we have a peach shandy. we have a strawberry from Moses. that's a brunch beer but it was funny because i was going to do this in new york again and i was like and i also was going to put electrolytes in the beers because beer is dehydrating alcohol is dehydrating sure. And I had a friend that ran one of the largest fragrance and flavor companies in the world. And they have all the technology. Coconut water was uh, going over a billion dollars in the US that year. I said, do you have anything like coconut water an electrolyte that doesn't taste like coconut water that's cheaper because coconut water is expensive? It is. That I can add to the beer. He goes, it's funny you say that. We just developed a (laughs) proprietary electrolyte. We'll give it to you for the beer industry. I'm like, great. So NYC folded because I was upset at my partners. Came down here, South Beach. The name was open. I'm like, this is all meant to be because electrolytes make more sense in Florida because it's even sure. hotter here. It's hot down here. And then South Beach is the home of brunch pool parties, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, everything is making sense. and It's the boat beer. It's it's a boat beer. And <laughs> it's then the boat beer. It's a boat beer. It's a pool beer. It's a beach beer. It's a it's a beer. It's Jana's
1: beer is what it is now. Yeah. And it's the I love <laughs> right now
0: beer, which which we also trademark because we want people to remember to enjoy every moment. And usually when you're having a beer, you're in a good mood, mm-hmm. you're celebrating something, whether it's yeah. having a beer with your friend, with your family, something. It's celebrating those incredible moments. So we trademarked I Love Right Now for the beer industry. We just want everybody to remember to enjoy that moment. But to make things even sort of uh, just everything is supposed to be the way it's meant to be. That's what I think. It is. So I'm going over the 41st Street Bridge, going to South Beach because I want to find out what's going on in there. I didn't really know South Beach. There's a huge mural. that says, Welcome to Miami Beach. And this famous artist, Lebo, did it. So I call him. And I said, hey, uh Libo, I'm starting a new brand. I'd love you to be our artist. I'd love to put your art in people's hands because his art's extremely expensive at essentially a few dollars a piece. Right. Um, And he meets with me and he happens to be a dog lover and I'm a dog lover too. I have, a, oh, yeah. I have an animal yeah We obviously have
1: to talk yep. about dogs after we talk about the beers because that's another thing that we both love. Well,
0: beers and dogs. I mean, beers w- and dogs. What can be better? And some people. A lot of people.
1: More dogs than people. Yes. <laughs> Let's just go there.
0: So... um I have a great meeting with him and on a handshake we did the deal. He owns part of the company. He's he does all our branding and then Devin who's my business partner now takes his artwork and then forms it into the final piece, which is the can and our top handles.
1: And these have really become your mascots. You know, if you've ever gotten the pleasure to meet Devin, she is, first of all, and fairly like talented and beautiful and kind of makes the rest of us just like fade into the background. But she's so creative and she really created these characters that have become a big part of the brand. And if you see South Beach Brew out in the wild, they're really creative pull handles. I mean, everything is very tactile. Everything's very interactive and very unique to South Beach Brewing.
0: Well, so what Devin does is she takes the characters that Lebo creates and adds little elements to it. And then, and then y- you understand how, how this works. It's a character, but it still has to go into a can, right? Right. So everything from how the font is, is on the can to the, I love right now, to the, the can that says, uh, well, the image that it says, make sure to shake the can because we have real juice in there. Mm-hmm. So that's what, what Dev knows. She puts it all together and it takes a lot of time and a lot of talent. And thankfully, um, she did a really good job on it, but that's, that's how the whole beer got started. I started it in October, 2017. And, uh, I wouldn't recommend for anybody to do what I did because it's been, it's been, it's been really difficult. We speak
1: the truth here at the Palm Beach Podcast. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was
0: going to be so easy. It's like, oh, I got South Beach Brewing. I'm going to, I'm going to launch it. i got golden. I have distributors. They, they distribute Budweiser. We thought you
1: won when you had the domain. I mean, that alone, you were like, it's meant to be.
0: It's like, what, what size yacht should I look at next?
1: Right. You're like, where am I going to put all these
0: piles of money? Yeah. I was like, like, (laughs) what's my next project? (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's been extremely difficult. Um, I don't even know where to start, but we have a brew pub in South Beach that we haven't opened. Mm-hmm. It's been, we're on year three of this place still not being open. We've had issues with everything from like really sad to start off our architect died. He starts coughing, wow. he say, hey, why don't you go get that looked at? Right. Turns out he has leukemia. Two months later, Jeez. um, he passes away. Really, really good guy, an Italian guy and um really smart guy, too great at his job. So that was the first hiccup. Then our expediter sort of has family problems, disappears for a while. And then, of course, you can't forget COVID. How
1: could we? So
0: Yeah. And then I'm getting all these emails. Hey, um, why don't you go ahead and apply for PPP funding? And in order to apply for PPP funding, you need to show loss of revenues and you need employees, which- You're like, we haven't haven't even
1: had time to make money yet. (laughs) I haven't even opened
0: yet. Okay. So that happens. So can't get any PPP funding. Then um, the- unfortunate sunrise building collapse happens right, right, right north right, of Miami, right right just, you just horrible, horrible situation, just north of, of of us. So the city of Miami beach does inspections. They inspect our building, our building's not up mm-hmm. to code. So that's happening right now We're we're fixing that foundation. Then our landlord decides not to pay the bank. And we get brought into a lawsuit and they want and the bank wants to evict us because our landlord's not paying rent. I didn't even think this was possible because we're paying rent, right? Right. So you think that because you're paying rent, you're safe. No, you're not safe. If your landlord doesn't pay the bank, the bank can foreclose on the property and take it over. So every penny we've put Sheesh. into the property is gone. It's basically it's just, evaporated. It's evaporated. So so, I, so,
1: how does that make you feel? I mean, you as an entrepreneur, like you have had so many different things that really challenged you. Like, what is it that makes you still want to like get up and say, like, I'm selling more summer shandy today? Like, we're making this happen. Hmm. I'm gonna enjoy right now and I'm gonna conquer right I now. Enjoy
0: right now. Um, I like the way the beer tastes. Hold on a second.
1: Oh. Hmm. He's like, I drink a lot of these. That's I how deal. I deal with the city. Um,
0: <laughs> what makes me go on? I, I say this, it's starting a company is like having a, a a child. I don't have any children, but this is this is like my child. We have dog babies. Yeah, we have dog babies and yeah. you, and there's there's problems along the way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing perfect. The child, you know, gets into trouble and it's like bringing up a child where you know there's going to be complications. You don't expect this much complications and I've only just started I gave you like 1/100th one of the issues I've <laughs> had. But um um when I see the product in people's hands when I go to a bar are, you know, I've seen it at hard Rock Stadium, I've seen it at at uh, MiA airport. I've seen it all over the place, and then we get emails, "We love your beer, like, thank you so much. That's what makes me keep going. And then when we go to these beer festivals, which you can really gauge how popular beer is, we have lines and people come up like, "Oh, you guys are the best. Thanks for making this. So that makes me go on plus I hate quitting. <laughs> And um, people are like, why don't you just pull out of that space in South Beach? I'm like, I'm not, right. I'm not pulling out. You have I'm no idea. Out. I actually called the the, the bank and uh, I was speaking to their attorney, the bank's attorney. I said, you want to fight on your hands? You know what I'm going to do to you guys? I'm going to go on your front doorstep. I'm going to be there every day with a camera. I'm going to tell everybody how you say you're helping businesses. You're destroying businesses. In the restaurant industry, I've been up to date paying rent. And you want to kick me out? I'm like, this isn't going to go well. I'm going to make sure you're going to lose a ton of customers because I'm furious. And I'm going to teach people the law that they, they need to protect themselves because it's, it's absolutely amazing that the landlord really controls your property. Right. And so, controls your future controls of your whole your, company. So you can put this the tenant improvements, all this money into a building, and which we did. You know, put it, We're looking at a, close to half a million dollars in this space that, they all, that the bank all of a sudden can take over and own. I wow. said it's it's not right. I said at least give me oh. then I said at least give me the, the ability to, to buy the property if something happens. Here <laughs> so the property is on one parcel of land, which they have another building on there, mm-hmm. which is five times the size of my building. So I cannot legally, the bank won't legally let me buy my building in that parcel because it's part of another parcel that they own. I have to buy together. So my building's not worth that much because it's that, you know, it's small. It's 1,200 square feet on the bottom. It, we have a great outdoor space and up, upsa- an space, um, upstairs space, but the building next to us is a, on the corner. It's huge. So they wanted something like $10 million for the property. I said, wow. "This, is, you guys don't give me a choice. I'm not going to spend $10 million on this property when I right. have this small bungalow space. So that was another issue with this. Um, but yeah, to go back on what makes me keep going is that I really believe in the brand. Um I, the fact that we're still around after COVID and after everything that's happened to us, um, and the fact that our sales keep increasing every year where Mm -hmm. we're at triple digit uh, growth rates, that makes me go. If I, to be honest, if I saw sales really declining and it was a loser, like I've I've done a lot of startups that haven't worked out and I know when they're losers, I, I would give up. But what keeps me going is the sales.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and, and, and knowing that people, that it's a part of their lives now, that has to be special.
0: Well, what's, what's cool about it is that every time someone's drinking my beer, I feel like I'm part of that special situation, right? I'm part of their lives. I'm, I'm part of that moment. It's almost, if I could go back and if, if someone said, hey, what would you like to be? If you could be anything in the world, I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to be a rock star. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I love that lifestyle. I love like the fact that you go on stage and you're entertaining eighty thousand people, and they they've had it on their calendar for months, right? They right. bought these tickets. These, these they have people, T-shirts with t-shirts, your face on the, them, bobbleheads with your yeah, head on them, and they yeah. can't wait to see. You. Like it's right. it's a great, you know, it's a it's great to have that that power to make somebody happy like that. So I'd be a rock star, but since I suck, I can't sing, I can't play any instruments. But what I can do is create really good beers, and in a way, I'm. Making part of people's lives even better, and there's people that come to Florida that I get emails from all the time saying, "Hey, I just tried your beer in Sarasota. I love it, but I live in Michigan. How do I get your beer?" And I'm like, "Hey, come to our site. You can actually, yeah,
1: we'll get we it. Actually you actually
0: purchase it, and 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 it ships. So they like it so much, like, yeah, I, it reminds me of that special time of that special moment, and I want your beer. And so, in a way, I feel like I'm a rock star.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and and I I think we we can't just skip over the fact that like. You've you've definitely had some like rock star cred. Um, for those of you who don't know, Lorenzo actually did a stint on The Bachelor. Correct?
0: Yeah, I I did.
1: Back back in the day, this is obviously when we were when we all thought we were rock stars back in our
0: our younger years. (laughs) Well, talking about rock stars, it actually how it happened is it involves music, believe it or not. So so you were musical? No. So here's what happened. (laughs) Growing up, my sister loved Billy Joel. Okay, and he was. I mean, who doesn't? So. My mother gets a call one day from my grandmother saying, hey, some rock star wants to buy my house. I don't know if I should sell it to him, you know, because you have to be careful back then and -hmm. always who you sell your house to. If it's a bad neighbor, you don't want the neighbors to be upset that you sell your house. And was this
1: your family in Italy?
0: No, this is in in New Jersey. In New Jersey, okay. But my grandmother was living in Long Island. Mm -hmm. My mother says, who's who's the guy? She says, Billy Joel. I was like, oh, that's Eladia's favorite singer. You have to sell your house to him. You have to. She's
1: like throwing the keys out the door. (laughs) So
0: my grandmother was still hesitant. Billy Joel invited her to Madison Square Garden to see a concert. And she loved him. She's like, oh, he's so talented. Aww. Sells her house to Billy Joel. That house ends up as a house. I don't know if you know Billy Joel, but Glass House's album. where he's yeah. throwing the, That was her house that he sold to, to oh. Billy Joel. And I used to go there as a kid all the time. Like, oh my gosh, this is Billy Joel's house. I've right. been here a hundred times. So fast forward uh, to 2015. I was living in New York City. My girlfriend and I had broken up. I started dating a girl in my building at the time. Take her to go see the Rolling Stones in Madison Square Garden. Like we got great seats. She's acting really funny and like all oh, like weird. After the concert, I'm like, what was that all about? You're sort of like cold. She goes, yeah, you know, I'm Jewish. You're you're Catholic. You're moving out of the building. It's not gonna work out. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's pretty interesting. I wish you had told me before the concert I would've invited someone that was gonna have fun, you know? so. <laughs> So we break up. I flew down to Florida the next day because I was in HSN selling pet products. Fly back to New York. A couple weeks later, I have tickets to go see Billy Joel. Don't have a girlfriend. I go to a party prior to the concert. Ask all these random girls, Hey, do you want to go see Billy Joel with me? They all say no. They're like, What? Like
1: Man, that's yeah, it was you it, would think that'd be a
0: you think they'd a be really, yeah, yeah, but they're like, well, I don't know you, like whatever. And so I asked some of my guy friends and they're like, yeah, you and me going to see the piano man? No, I don't think so. So I was like, all right. How romantic. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to go. Yeah. So I go by myself and it was in the middle of the winter time. And I had like third row, really good seats. And I have two beers in my hand. And as I go to my seats, which is in the middle of the row, there's jackets on both seats. And uh, the people that were, you know, mm-hmm. there said, oh, let us move our jackets. I'm like, oh, you can, you can put your jackets on one seat. It's okay. And they're like, well, Aren't you too? i I'm like, no, it's just me.
1: Just me and two yeah, beers. Yeah, just me.
0: And I guess we can use the other the other chair for Jack. It's like, you came by yourself? I'm like, yeah, I'm a big loser. So I'm watching Billy Joel and I'm actually getting a little bummed out. I'm like, I can't believe I can't get one person to come with me to this concert. I'm like, I'm a total loser. So I said, if anything comes my way, I'm gonna do something about it. And sure enough, a week later, my uncle calls me, says, Hey, um, I know Brooke Carson. She's at ABC. She really, you know, is the one in, in charge of the Baxter show. Can I can I put your name down? And this was, again, 2000, no, I guess 2006. I didn't know they were still doing that show. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever, put my name down. Right. And sure enough, I get a call and blah, blah, blah. And then I become The Bachelor. But it all happened. I like because, how he says that so
1: casually. He's like, yeah, so I got a call and I became yeah, The Bachelor. Well, yeah, like-
0: the, but but it all happened, like the Billy Joel thing, man, because <laughs> I was at that concert and I was really <laughs> bummed out. And I'm like, if it, if it hadn't been, well, and, I, and it started with the Rolling Stones when she mm-hmm. was like, Really awful to me at that concert I was excited to see. And then, and then the Billy Joel thing, I'm like, that's it. I've had it. Whatever comes my way, I'm taking it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Whatever opportunity comes, because I would have never done the show. I'm like telling you I would have never done it. So when I, when I meet Billy Joel one day, I'm going to tell him the whole story about this. I'm like, you're, the, you're responsible for putting me through hell. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess you know where no, he lives. You can always show back up at well, grandma's no, he's, house. <laughs> he's, he
0: sold that house. I, I know where he, I still know where he lives, but he sold that house and I think he gave it to his ex – I think he gave it to his ex-wife and uh, I don't know if she's still in there, but I remember going back to the house. He had put a gate up and then we still knew the person that took care of the lawn. So, so the guy let us in um, who was mowing lawns up and he had turned the front lawn into a putting green which – what my grandmother didn't like. She's like, oh, I no. can't believe what, and you put up a fence. I can't believe right. what he did. She's like, my yard. Uh, yeah, but it was, you know, I, I, he's also Billy Joel, so she didn't understand that. that right. In some privacy.
1: Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So we got to cover, we got to cover entrepreneur, we got to cover, you know, budding, budding artist, or at least artistic fan. Um, but we have to talk about your activism because I would be remiss if we didn't get to talk about our fur babies and our love for just all things, uh, dogs, cats, animals. Um, you're so involved with multiple different animal organizations, but you also have one of your own and you also have a great history of of custom pet products that your family launched and created. Can you kind of give us an insight into your, your, your furry future here?
0: Yeah. Um, I always wanted a dog, and growing up, we had dogs in in my family. But I never had my own dog. And I also believe in fate and and things like this. And Mm -hmm. when I was 21, my girlfriend at the time says, "What do you want for your birthday?" I said, "I either want to go to Great Adventure, which is an amusement park, or I want a female black lab puppy."
1: You sound like Chris. Do I? You sound just like Chris. He's like, "I want to go to a theme park." Or I I love, I love that
0: stuff. So, um, she calls me like two days later. My, my. Birthday uh, birthday's in June. So she was working as an intern at, at Chemical, which is now Chase Bank in New mm-hmm. York City. She's like, Hey, my sister um, Cameron, and she, my girlfriend at the time, lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, was walking on the avenue and there was a woman on the corner selling Black Lab puppies, like out of a box. Oh. And Cameron didn't know I wanted a dog. But um, so Hayden, who I was in at the time, says, I, So Cameron called me and said, Do you know anybody that wants Black Lab puppies? And I said, Yeah, Lorenzo does. And I said, Hayden, did Cameron get this woman's number? She's like, yes. So I went up the next day. Okay, like this, I've never seen black lab puppies for sale anywhere, like on the side of a road. And right like now you'd be, you'd be horrified if you saw something like that because you, you know, you now you adopt, you th- do things like that. But this is- I would have bought the whole box. I'd be 19- like, these are, these are my dogs. Yeah. So I go up to the house and there's one dog left and it's a little, it's the runt and she's a female and she comes right up to me and I'm like, this is my dog. And so that just like changed my life. So she developed really bad dry skin at five years old. I developed a shampoo for her because my family was in cosmetics. Um, I found out that what was wrong with uh, traditional dog shampoos is that they're made for people. We have very different skin than a dog does. Right, of course. Hence why vets tell you don't bathe your dog too often because- mm-hmm. the Especially stuff the, especially labs. especially like, they, yeah they, they get really dry skin. So I developed what I believe was the first- sodium lauryl sulfate-free shampoo in the market. This is 2001. And I did this just by going to the library and doing all the research and then talking to the chemist in in Italy that were doing products for my family because my Mm -hmm. family's in the cosmetic industry. And they said, well, your cost of goods is a lot higher than human shampoo. I'm like, yeah, it needs to be. It's a dog shampoo. You don't bathe them as much, it needs to be better. They have actually, uh, their skin is about three times thinner than human skin. It's also more delicate. Wow. Um, so they understood all that. And so the, the sodium lauryl sulfate, which is the foaming agents I pulled out, that's what causes the dry skin because right. you ha- dogs have lipids on their skin. When the lipids are pulled off, which is what the sodium lauryl sulfate does, a dog is, is non-porous, so it can't re-lubricate the skin the way we can. So once those lipids are pulled off, it causes extreme dryness. So I, I created foam by using vegetable oils, which is a lot more expensive. But it didn't pull the lipids off the dog's skin. Developed the shampoo line. Went to HSN because my mother and brother want HSN with these little bottles of shampoo. I'm like, hey, I want to sell pet products on your on your network. They said, oh, we had a we had a famous vet come on. She totally failed like two years ago. I was like, oh, give me ten minutes. Give me ten minutes. Give me ten minutes. You're said, like, hold yeah. my beer. <laughs> I said, if <laughs> okay, if, I if, if anybody is if anybody owns a dog, is your audience sitting at home watching HSN right now? I'm telling you, and I showed them the, the stats too. At that time, I think, I mean, it was. Bigger than the toy market in the US, it still is. And they said, all right, we'll 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 give you a show. Mm-hmm. They gave me, I think, 12 minutes. And I launched like six months later because it took that much time to actually create labels, create a sure. whole product line. And I did really well. And they said, we like what you did. We want to give you your own one-hour show. So you got to develop more products. Which is huge for HSN. Yeah, which is and And so I became the largest pet vendor at HSN. I was there for 18 years. And it was all by accident just because my dog had dry skin, who was like the love of my life, you know, like the this dog really changed my life, and then while I had her, I started going to all these crazy dog parties in New York City. I'm talking about like these people on another, some of them were on another planet, just uh, great people, but you're like, oh my gosh, this, right. is, this is really nuts, okay, and in New York, it's over the top, so, but they taught me a lot about about dogs. I said, you've got to go to the ACNC which is the Animal Care and Control of New York, and see what's going on there, and because I sort of had some sort of power New York or like I was the pet guy, they mm-hmm. they gave me a private tour and they don't allow people usually to see what I, what I saw. And I remember very clearly, they had five rows of cages, dogs in cages. And I go through the first one and they're all there and you can tell they all want to be adopted. They're all looking at you and like some are hopeless too. They feel like they're never going to find a home. And as I get to the fifth row, I'm like, how do these rows work? And I said, well, the first rows, the dogs came in today and as you go further and further, the last row is the dogs that are being euthanized today. I'm like, what? And like, yeah, this is, uh, it's like, why don't you show this? Why don't you, why don't you make this public? They said, well, the city won't allow us to, to you know, people are going to freak out. I'm like, people need to know what's people going need on. To know. They need to know. Like I said, if there's a screaming baby on the street, no one knows there's a baby, there's a screaming baby, no one can help. Right. You need to do something. So then I became essentially, I guess, a more of a dog activist. And I. Started working with the Humane Society of the United States. Then I became uh, an ambassador to the ASPCA, and I still work with with these organizations. But what I saw, there, they all do wonderful things. But I also felt there was a lot of wasted money. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, because most of them are are, are publicly well, owned or it's, go- owned it's, by the it's, government. I,
0: w- when I say wasted money, I mean they're paying salaries, they're paying rent, they're spending millions on commercials, they're doing this, and and I understand there's a need for it, right? Sure. But I wanted to make sure that the the amount of money goes into actually saving a dog. So I was at an HSUS uh, dinner. It was in December. They do this big fundraiser of of November that year. And somebody comes out to me and they said, you need to meet Karen. I said, who's Karen? And she goes, here's her card caller. So I call Karen. Karen was uh, living in in Southern New Jersey. I start talking to her. She goes, I really want to come up and meet you. I'm like, let's have coffee. She comes up the next day, drops off a DVD. At the time, oh,
1: that's a throwback. Um,
0: yeah, and it was um, and it was a 22 minute video of her of what she does and what she had done. As she was uh, the head of the PTA in her in her son Matthew's school, mm-hmm. and instead of doing like you know a can fundraiser, you know for the homeless, which which is great, but you know a lot of people do it. She goes, I wanted to do save save an animal fundraiser. So, and I'm talking for Karen. She said, I started researching the worst areas in on the East Coast for, for dogs, the most abused. And Georgia was on the top area. Georgia's Georgia's really notorious
1: bad. for very high kill shelters. Yeah.
0: And they were doing at the time they were doing the gas chamber where they put dogs, a bunch of dogs into the a gas chamber, literally, turn it on, come back 30 minutes later. I've got and we actually um had a great story of a dog that, that survived it. it, actually changed along law in Georgia because of this dog Grace. Grace passed away about two years ago, but we did a huge caravan for Grace. But um, so... Makes I, me ill. Yeah, it's it's awful. So I watched this video that she'd put together and she said, just watch what I did. I put together this movie and it's a movie that she did the second time she went down to Georgia. The first time was, was she went and got the dogs, brought them back, and they were all adopted through the school. Wow. And she said, you know, I wanted to take it one step further. I wanted to show these children where these dogs came from. So she drives back down Caravan style with police escort, leaving the state. It was amazing. I was like, "Wow, wow this woman's really powerful that she can put this together." She got to the shelter, and the kids were there, and they were picking out dogs. And she goes, "I have to take them all because what does that teach these children? If you leave one behind, that that dog's not good enough, right?" So I emptied the shelter. All I can think of is yeah.
1: that fifth that fifth road, the like the ones exactly. that are. The, this the, is that, their last
0: day, and and the dogs that look up at you knowing that they don't they don't have hope. No one's going to look at them, and you know, I, I think dogs are a lot smarter than we give them credit oh, uh, to. Makes me- so she said the, the woman at the shelter cried when they left because she never heard the sound of silence in there, like no barking. And I said, Karen, how, how are you funded? How do you do this? She goes, I take out credit cards. I'm like, let's work together. Yeah. And so 2012, we started Animal Aid USA. Uh, no one gets paid. So everyone does it as a volunteer. 100% of what is donated goes to saving a dog's life. For example, the large organizations, their fee to save a dog's $500. Ours is fifty, so and we spay neuter. We do it all. We transport them, um, and to date, we started in two thousand twelve. We saved over thirty six thousand dogs. So that's Animal Aid USA. Oh, yeah. you that is phenomenal. So, dogs and beers. Dogs so and beers. Cheers, I mean, cheers! Cheers, cheers to dogs yeah, and beers. To dogs and beers. I don't
1: think that could have been a a better a better episode, Lorenzo. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for everything you do, not only for us to enjoy our right now moments, but us to enjoy our right now moments with, with our amazing furry friends.
0: Yeah. And for those that uh, don't like gluten, our beers are GMO and gluten-free. The, yes. the strawberry orange of the peach shandy, and the sea breeze are gluten and GMO-free. Our IPA is not, but they're all wonderful.
1: They're they are they are all great. And coming from the girl who can crush a mimosa, but can't a beer, I'm this is this is something that's so needed and so special. And I love that it's local and it's phenomenal. And we can't wait to see what you guys do next. Where can we keep up with you?
0: Well, um, you can go to South Beach Southbeachbrew dot com. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh Southbeachbrew dot com is also on Instagram and just Lorenzo Borghese on Facebook and Instagram and all over West Palm Beach and look for the bird tap handles all at the bars, and we also use uh, real juices and electrolytes um, a lot of a lot of good things in those beers that make you feel good and make you strong
1: make you strong make you strong <laughs> it's not just it's not just the what do they call it, the the eight ounce curls no it's a, it's a, it's
0: uh, the 12 ounce curls, but they make you strong and they make you superhuman and you feel amazing
1: and don't we all just want to feel amazing? yes we do. Locals, thank you so much for joining me for another great episode of the Palm Beach Podcast, Lorenzo. Thanks for being in the studio today. Thanks for
0: having me. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Palm Beach Podcast. If you'd like to give back and help our show grow, please learn about ways to give and donate at thepalmbeachpodcast.com.